Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, parents. Tim Wright here, along with Dr. Michael Gurian, the Wonder of Parenting podcast, the brain science approach to parenting. And today, uh, we are recording this in August, and so this is probably coming out sometime in mid-October, and we don't know what the school situation is going to look like in mid-October, so we're going to just talk about what we're hearing right now, and I'm guessing that what we're hearing right now is going to apply what's happening in October in some way, shape, or form. And um, I sort of tongue-in-cheek call it the uh, parents who are in post-traumatic stress syndrome right now over having to do their kids' uh, education online. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Uh, Michael, it's good to have you with us. Mm, thank you. Great to be here. Such an important topic. It, it really is. And, uh, you know, we, we're hoping that this topic isn't going to last long, but we just don't know. And uh, what we do know is that COVID's going to change schooling for a while anyway. And uh, we've got a question uh, that helps get us started on that topic, and then we're going to dig into some other things as well along with it. Um, I do want to encourage you, if you've ever got a question for us, to go to wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, and there you will find uh, a place for you to fill out a form, a question form, submit that to us. We'll put it in the queue and get to it as soon as we can. Uh, as always, we uh, encourage you to check out the link for our sponsors, the Center of Place of Hope up in the Seattle area. Dr. Greg Jantz and his staff do such important work in helping people through a variety of crises. And if you are uh, ever in need and just need a starting point, start there. Just start there. And uh, it even if you don't use them, it may be a good stimulus for you to, to start uh, thinking about some other things. But it's a great place to start, and we encourage you to look at it. So before I... Um, uh, have a chance here to read the question. Just a couple little personal things from uh, my side of the world right now. Again, it's August, and the schools here in Arizona, we always open up in uh, in August, early August. Uh, and we've been in uh, the, uh, the biggest heat wave in our history. So we're setting these record heat days, and uh, school would be in session. So imagine these poor kids sitting in their classroom when it's 115 degrees. Instead, they're sitting at home, uh, and they're online. All of our schools are online. Parents, of course, are having to watch their kids online while parents are trying to work full-time online. Some of these teachers are not only teaching online but have to watch their own kids online, get them through school. And they're all working with platforms they've never worked with before. And um, I have uh, I have some of my, my five of my grandkids are going through this process, and they're all stressed out. Uh, my daughter-in-law wrote yesterday that uh, for her first grade son, they were three days into their online uh, program and they decided to drop it because it wasn't working. So they have to start over and how confusing that is <laughs> and stressful for teachers. And uh, what, But what I am hearing, Michael, and we're going to come back to this because I want to read the question first. What I'm hearing is, and I think we've talked about this before, uh, it's the younger kids who seem to be struggling more than some of the older kids. 
And the boys seem to be, although it's not exclusive, the boys seem to be having a bigger issue with this online schooling than girls. So those will be some things we'll want to come back to. But here's the question that sort of triggered our discussion for today. Given today's quarantine uh, evening news report about keeping your kids busy pushes electronic media, particularly in school. Um, I've been holding off on electronics for my four-year-old uh, and uh, until, like you advised, till about 10 years of age. He's fanatical about books, which is great, has been enthusiastic about writing and enjoys a lot of free play. But if this quarantine extends, so this question was written to us a little bit ago, what's your recommendation for teaching with no technology especially as both my husband and I work from home. And uh, so some of the topics we want to cover today are, um, you know, the, some of the stress that's coming with online learning, some of the uh, the differences maybe between homeschool and um, technology school right now. I know that here in Arizona, homeschooling applications have gone up 33% in the last mm-hmm. month. Um, how do we keep sane? Uh, all of these things. So, uh, Michael, let's just start with just some general things that you have been thinking about as you looked at that question and some of the other things that you're hearing right now, you work with a lot of schools, doing school in a COVID world, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? And then we'll we'll dig deeper into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting what has happened. Uh, when spring happened and, and every, everything locked down and so the schools went online, I and my Gurian Institute team uh, Eva and, and some others in our team, we started to study what was working, what was not working, what was, you know, affecting boys, affecting girls, et cetera. So we started looking at this back in the spring and we had sort of thought, okay, this is really good data we're getting. It helps us to develop, you know, uh, programming. It helps us to be able to coach parents, to coach teachers, you know, et cetera. But probably will be short-lived, won't be needed in the fall, right? Because the assumption in May was everything was going to reopen in the fall. Well, now I'm really glad that I can answer these questions that people are asking, and I can answer them with some good research and practical strategies because we now we've kind of been looking at it for six months, and now very clearly it's it. this is all needed. So, um, because I think, you know, throughout this fall, I think what we're going to find is no matter where you're listening to us from, that some of you, even through Christmas, um, that some of you, your kids are going to be online because, uh, it's not just, um, whether there are cases and what the governors decide or et cetera. It's not just that. It's also that schools are opening, closing, opening, closing. Yeah. Right. Once they get cases and at a certain point, it's too costly to do that. And and then the sort the the measures that some of the public health folks want are not workable, you know, like kids wearing masks and and right. Cer- certain age groups of kids are wearing masks, et cetera. A lot of that is going to can't happen. Right. So various schools are going to have to close down or, or are going to have so many troubles with discipline referrals and all of the behavioral. So so I think that when you said COVID is going to change schooling for quite a while, you know, I actually think you're right. And um, so what what we've done is really look at it. And I'm going to give, I'm going to do a few things really quickly just overall to help folks so you get practical content right away on this. And then let's delve into the specifics of the question. The first area to look at as you're, you as a parent or you as a teacher try, trying to make this work is, of course, accessibility. 
So everyone has to be trained. Once they figure out what the system's going to be, you know, no, no real learning is, goes on for a week or whatever it takes. The, the school system has to train the parents. And then if the kids are older, the kids on how to use the system. And that's really it. So you lose basically a whole week of schooling, just getting that settled. And once that's settled, a subset of that is going to be, does everyone have access? And part of the problem is we find around 25% of kids don't have access. Wow. So we are going to lose around 25%. Wow. And we're going to have to deal with that as a society. So I'm definitely an advocate for getting everyone back in school as soon as possible uh, in person. Um, so that's the access thing. Then, then I, I would love the teachers and the parents, and this is going to be especially parents, ask these questions. So these are questions about your child. Because online schooling is going to work well for some kids, not work well for others. It already at a baseline works better for girls than for boys, though I don't think it's a great way to school, but, but that's the reality. And then um, uh, if we're going to make, if we're going to manage it and make it work, we're going to have to make it work based on our individual child. And we're going to have to accommodate it to fit our child. So now from the parent's point of view, we need to look at uh, how many hours is this child going to be in front of that screen? What's the child's personality and temperament? What's this child's natural assets? Uh, of course, does this child have a learning or behavioral disability? That's going to be important. What is this child's island? What are these child this child's islands of competence? What is the child already good at and already has an interest in? Because we're going to need to move schooling more toward that. Um, what's this child's best learning style? And um, uh, is this child a visual learner? If this child is a visual learner, online is going to be probably okay. If this child is much more of a, a spatial or auditory learner, you know, we're going to need to work with that because just staring at the screen is, is going to help some, but not going to be enough. And then what's the family constellation? Um, like the, the who's around? Now, of course, let's, you know, what's the family constellation itself in terms of nuclear? Is it mom, dad? Could be two moms, two dads. I mean, what is it? what's the personnel available in the home and then who's nearby uh what extended family are nearby who can help manage this uh, online schooling and manage what i'm going to call covid schooling because some of the schooling can't happen online again 25 percent don't have access and then your number of boys are totally unmotivated they're just not going to even uh, sign in and uh, that we're already seeing that uh, some girls as well, but that tends to be more boys who are absent, absentee. So, um, so we're going to have to get our families involved. We're going to have to get grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, all these other folk. Uh, I think pods and homeschooling type pods are going to exist for people who have resources. They're going to they're going to hire tutors for people who don't have resources. Especially important to get other family members involved um, and take some of the schooling off of mom and dad, and that's especially if mom and dad are working. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers stay clean technology. 
making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boy's easy opening, smooth pouring container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. Um, uh, it's an impossible it's an impossible situation if both parents are working full time and it's online schooling. So and it's impossible. On, uh, and why is it impossible? Because you can't protect the health of the child and have the child in front of a screen for six hours. That's not good for the child in the, in the long term. So um, and if mom and dad are both working, they're not going to be able to educate the child without the screen. So, um, you know, they're definitely going to need these other assets. So once we've answered those questions, then everyone kind of goes, okay, here's who my child is. Now I am going to have to modify the schooling to fit my child. And I'm going to talk to the teachers about it, certainly. But, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for my child. And I don't want my child in front of a screen for six hours. So here's what I'm going to have to do. And then some of what's going to have to happen is that these other personnel are going to get involved to help us educate our child. Some of the personnel is teachers and coaches, for sure, online. And hopefully coaches can work with social distancing in person with our kids, uh, if, if possible, in the state that you're in or the city you're in. Um, the more in person, the better. But if that has to be online, at least there's bonding with these coaches and with these teachers and with mentors. Um, and we want to remember that sort of to rescue education, let's say, to rescue COVID education, the basic precept of learning is kids learn from people they trust. Kids learn from people they trust. Kids learn from people they're bonded with. So um, uh, that's how they retain. That's how they learn. That's how they get into deep critical thinking. That's how they um, uh, understand history. They learn from people they trust. So uh, the first big thing after ascertaining who your child is, is to form these relationships of trust, form these bonding relationships. And it's going to, again, be somewhat teacher and coach, yes, but there will probably be some others now who were not needed as mentors pre-COVID because kids were in-person schooling. So they had a lot of access to teachers and coaches uh, and counselors. But now we're going to need to get these other people. So then that forms the teaching system, and the teaching system is going to be individualized to our child, and it's going to include four or five people um, uh, that mom and dad, let's say, or two moms, two dads, you know, the nuclear unit will be in there, but then it's going to be these others as well that the child is bonded with. And, and together, this group is going to be teaching this child for whatever are the hours, the four to six hours of, of educational time. Um, okay, so I'm going to stop there because that's a lot, but those are the first sort of two big steps. And then I have a third step, two big steps to doing COVID schooling. Uh, go to the third, because you may answer my questions with your third. Okay. The third is strategic. The third is tactical. It's what kinds of strategies do you use while you're doing COVID schooling, which is online schooling. Um, and so one tactical and strategic element does involve the screen itself. So, so in Saving Our Sons and in Minds of Girls, I have those whole chapters where I look at what screen time is appropriate for brain development for every age, from birth to two, two to four, four to six. I think it's gonna be a really great resource for people. I hope they'll look at that um, because I can't cover every one of their age groups now. But when they 
as they look at that and go, okay, my child's four, my child's six, then, then they go, okay, so here's the appropriate amount of screen time. So then the tactical thing is they're going to um, give that child that screen time for school. Um, and then the rest of the day, they're not going to be using schooling. They're going to be using these other systems, or I'm sorry, not using screens. They're going to be using the other systems to do schooling. So grandpa or grandma is going to teach this child so grandma, it's probably going to be grandma, is going to teach this child how to knit or sew. Okay, that's like an hour, um, an hour right there. Uh, or, or grandpa is going to teach this child how to fix a carburetor or, you know, all these project driven. This is called project driven learning. Everyone's going to be giving their kids these projects and they're going to be teaching kids through the projects. Um, and so project driven learning is going to become the best substitute for the excess screen time. Um, uh, and then, then there's going to be movement and even during the screen time, and especially for boys, every, every 10 to 20 minutes, um, have that boy do a brain break. These are great for girls too. um, have them up and moving around for 30 seconds. You know, all that stuff we've talked about why that's essential for especially male brain, um, have them, uh, specific strategies. Like if they're having trouble with writing, have them draw first. And then they'll write better. They'll have more content if they've drawn it out graphically. Uh, these are the sorts of strategies that work at a tactical level. Um, uh, and then in the other time that exists, that's non-schooling time, I think it's really crucial for parents to make sure their kids are are involved in sacred work, you know, work that helps the family. So they got to do all their chores. They can do that while mom and dad are still working to the end of their work day is chores time. Kids are doing that, um, uh, and then you know, then family time starts in the evening. That should, I mean, I know that's basic, but that's basic concepts to get them through uh, online schooling that fits their child. So I'm I'm going to because I have some perspective as a, a grandpa watching what's happening with my grandkids. A couple questions come to mind with that. Um, I look at uh, so my my grandkids are in two different school districts. Uh, and they, they tend to be handling how they're doing things differently, although some things are the same. Um, but my, my two grandkids, both of whom have learning challenges, uh, they're, they're bright kids, but they have some learning challenges. Uh, one's in fourth grade, male. One's in kindergarten, female. Uh, and uh, our female is uh, probably, um, <laughs> her brain is a bit more masculine wired in terms of her ability to sit and, and, or not sit. But the expectation is that they're in class online from 8.45 in the morning until 3.30 in the afternoon because they want to keep it as close to a school day as possible. Um, first of all, it just it, it's mind-boggling. I think even the teachers are finding you can't do that. Um, but they have certain requirements now they're going to have to meet throughout the school day. So once they get back in class, they've met those requirements. How do you... How do you manage the requirements that the school has for you, all of that screen time, and yet do some of the things that you have recommended uh, to to really sort of know what your child is like and then help them learn the way that they learn? Right. What the parents and teachers are going to have to do is they're going to have to sort of en masse lobby for shifts to that structure, um, uh, you know, because that structure is not tenable or healthy. Uh, 8, 8.30, 8.45 to, to 3, let's call it just quickly to say 8 to 3, um, is not healthy. 
Right. And, uh, and the teachers know it and the kids and the parents know it. And so as the kids rebel uh, <laughs> against it and, and righteously rebel because it's not healthy for them and it's not going to work for them. Um, and also, by the way, they're not going to retain and it's going to become uh, really a muck. And as that happens, and I wish before, but as that happens, both teachers and parents have to unite and say, we're going to change this. Um, and that would mean the higher ups are going to have to change their expectations of, you know, that learning process. And, um, and that's going to have to be embraced nationally, really the national, you know, the teachers associations, the, the um, educational bodies, everyone is going to have to realize that if we're going to do online schooling, it, we are going to have to change school. So we're going to have to change how the standards are met. And, um, and all the things I've said, we're going to, going to have to do more stuff project driven, we're going to have to do less stuff online, and uh, less time sitting in front of a screen like for i'll pick an age group uh, well we'll use her age. the age group she gave is a four-year-old right and right i'll just do that one so she gives a four-year-old uh in her question and um this four-year-old she says is fanatical about books and enthusiastic about writing and enjoys free play okay so that is going to be primarily or the baseline for how this child will be educated um this child now this child's only four, so not ten or twelve. And your right. kid, remind me of your kids' ages, uh, what, what grades? Yeah, uh, kindergarten up through uh, sixth grade. Yeah, kindergarten and sixth. Okay, so so this one's almost kindergarten, but still preschool, and so it's okay for this one. Like for instance, no loss by this child not being on a screen at all, right? Because right. it's it's preschool, and preschools right now are kind of only doing about an hour, an hour and a half online anyway. So okay, that's all right. And then the rest of the day is going to be these islands of competence. You know, it's going to be reading, a bunch of reading, writing, drawing, uh, free play, building things with Legos, all of that. So, so easy answer for the four-year-old. Now, when we get to your, the kindergartner, okay, uh, how many hours are they going to do that kindergarten online? You remember? Uh, that, yeah, that was from eight to three. That's kindergarten? Yeah. Oh yeah, everyone has to rebel against that. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> well, I think that's the kids just, already have. <laughs> that's just dangerous. That's yeah. just dangerous. Yep. And and I totally get why the systems are doing it right now. They're hoping that they're doing it because let's keep it like a regular school day. Yep. But you know that that's not going to last. That's just nope. not. It's too dangerous. So um, that will. And then now when you get toward your sixth grader, okay. So by the time we get to the sixth grade grandchild, that that sixth grader can handle you know three to four hours. This is a special circumstance, three to four hours in front of that screen, plus probably another hour somewhere doing homework. Um, you know, five hours for a sixth grader to me is too much, but but that's more handleable for two or three months by that brain, let's say, than for the kindergartner. Yep. So, and then as you get to 16, 17, 18 years old, you know, six hours is still too much to be in front of a screen every single day, but brain's a little better developed, it can handle more, you know, um, and, and we're all cutting corners on screen time now because we want school to work. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. But we all know that six hours of screen time is too much a day. Mm. But, Mm. okay, it's an exception for a 16-year-old. Let's say it's okay because that 16-year-old is, you know, is kind of pre-college. And so we sort of know that... We got to just get that information into that guy or that gal because pretty soon they take the PSAT. But when we're down at 10-year-olds, 7-year-olds, 6-year-olds, 5-year-olds, um, we do not have to do things like they have to go to school 8 to 3. Mm-hmm. Those are just false elements. Uh, they're too hard on the teachers. They're too hard on the parents. They're too hard on the kids. And um, those are those. that's where we're going to do more of what I was what I was saying. And so then the questions about homeschooling, you know, a lot of people, I mean, I'm, I'm fielding, so I and my team, we are doing, you know, hour by hour coaching by phone right now and by Zoom with parents all around the country. Um, mm-hmm. This started started about two weeks ago, and we are just constantly uh, on phone and on Zoom coaching because they're facing these exact situations, you know, and they're, they're and, and some are in public school, some are in private school, and, and they're saying, well, now, wait a minute, how can I do... How, how can this work? And how can my son do this? And how can my daughter do this? And it's not working, you know? And so what do we do? And that's why we developed this new, these new training and coaching programs for COVID classrooms, because every individual case is different and just about everyone's facing this. Yep. Um, and so, so I think this is going to be a very good month to two months, uh, you know, September, October into November for parents and teachers to get together and advocate for healthy schooling. And that should be the, the name of it, healthy schooling, not online schooling, but healthy schooling. And as they do that, um, they will move. A lot of people will move more toward homeschool models. Yeah. And I, I think, and we both agree there, there are no uh, there are no evil people in this one. There are no, no enemies oh, no, no, here. No. Everybody is lost. Um, but part of what, what has happened is we've taken this traditional model of being in a building and we've tried to import it onto an online platform and it's just a whole different platform. And uh, I would even say just in, in my own uh, life where we've had to move our church online, you can't do a worship service online the same way that you do in a building. And you have to think through what does it mean to do it on this platform? You can't just impose old models on a new platform, which we're all struggling with. And and quite honestly, our schools and teachers haven't had a lot of time to figure it out. Six months is not a lot of time to reconfigure a whole way of educating people. And that's maybe where our homeschooler curriculums have some advantage. 
Yeah, and and schools can and the teachers. Yeah, well, to your first point, yeah, there's no enemies here. There's no bad yep. people here. We're like we Green Institute. We're working with. I'm coaching teachers. I'm coaching parents. You know, I mean, we're we're just coaching and giving help to everybody because everyone is trying their best. Um, and and we have to. Everyone has to remember. Every parent listening to this who's who's mad at the system, or let's say. We have to remember that the teachers and the school systems are being told what to do quite often by people above them. Yep. And quite often the people above them in the hierarchy are public health officials who are not teachers. Right. Who don't know anything about school. Right. They're saying, you know, um, this is how it should be. If you have five cases or 10 cases, you, you know, you quarantine and all these things that's coming from people uh, who are not educators. And then we have educators trying to navigate this, so who do understand education, who are trying to navigate this, uh, who are, as you've just said, starting out with, can we just replicate yep. the best we can? Uh, and then who are themselves starting to adapt and saying, okay, we can replicate it this way, but in this way we can't replicate. And so now if we can't replicate, how do we support parents as teachers? And then how do we support parents as homeschool teachers while still providing all the good all the good information that teachers provide from a school, a public or a private school? But um, but part of our job now is to coach the parents the teachers are finding rather than being the six hour information giver. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe four hours information. But now I as a teacher, I'm spending two hours coaching parents on accessibility, of course, and, and computer technology issues or learning genie or whatever they're using, and also coaching them in how to teach their children at home through project-driven learning and these other assets that now can can be such a great and important part of education. Um, so yeah, the teachers are, everyone's doing their best. <laughs> yeah, they're so stressed. And, and, you know, part of the, part of the problem, of course, is that we are trying to keep some normality. So we've got kids in school when they're normally in school. And of course, that's when parents are working, probably from home. And and so it, the parents are having to juggle the schedule where if you were had a more flexible schedule, maybe you could do your kid's education in the evening uh, when mom and dad or whatever's available. And then we just, we just haven't have the time to figure this out. And of course, by the time we figure it out, we'll all be back in buildings, right? Um, but right. Even, even then... Um, I just uh, I just don't think it's ever going to be quite the same as it was. We're going to have to think through differently, and and I, I know this is probably a topic we're going to come back to because it's such an important one. Um, and right now everybody's just living in the chaos. Uh, and uh, I know that uh, for both of the school districts, my kids are grandkids are in. There's been pushback already from parents about the hours are too long. Uh, there's far too much homework. Our kids are stressing out, and and thankfully the the educators and the school districts are listening. They're pulling back, and um, as you heard today, Michael was with us for another event with our men. Um, some of the school districts are saying, "Well, we were going to move back into school at such and such a time, but we're going to get in there sooner now if we can, uh, because we're, we realize this isn't working." So yeah, yeah, and I want to applaud any of the superintendents, any of the yep. any of the people who who have, you know, who have the power. And, and I hope public health officials will start adapting their, what they say to, to understand, you know, what really, what really education is and how valuable 
in-person schooling is, and then the superintendents and everyone who who even push back on on these abstract people who are you know sitting in an office somewhere creating uh, like you have to do blank because of COVID. You know, even pushing back on all of that so that we find a way. Uh, I applaud everyone who's finding a way to make in-person schooling work. Um, and even if that requires uh, mask wearing for kids above a certain age, even if that, re if that requires some social distancing, um, uh, okay, fair enough. But I especially want to applaud those people who are making it work where they're not, where they're not isolating, you know, 10 kids in one room all day, no recess, yeah. uh, you know, because that itself is also traumatic. And, yep. and, and the chances uh, of course, we're going to need some stuff from the top. We're going to need some legislation from the very, very top saying, look, you can't sue schools if, if you know, someone yeah, gets COVID. Right, so right. That, that's come. I believe that's coming. If that doesn't come, then we definitely betrayed our, our, our country's children, in, in my opinion. But I assume that will come. So when that comes, then, you know, schools can reopen without that uh, financial um, disaster hanging over them that they'll get sued. Then, then okay, so then they can reopen they can do a few really good things like the mass for when it's appropriate. But but then we got to get back to schooling. We have to get back to real schooling because the chances of a child, I know we see it on the media. There's some child somewhere who got really sick and died and, and hearts go out to that family. But the statistical chances, right, of mm -hmm. uh, even the statistical chances that a child who gets COVID is going to then pass it to an 80-year-old elder and that 80 year old elder is gonna die, even those statistical chances are incredibly low because our elders who are vulnerable are, are pretty much quarantined right now. And yeah. I believe will stay so for, for a number of months. So, so the chances, right? I mean, we've given up on in-person schooling and that means 70 million kids are getting inadequate education yeah. because of the chances of the potential of maybe this one child has this one negative effect on this one other person. And I do think we have to rethink that. And I, I, I support all the superintendents, everyone who's saying, we gotta get into in real normal in-person schooling as soon as possible, we gotta do that. So I applaud you if you're doing that. If you're not doing that, I still support you, believe me. Yep. I'm gonna support you no matter what, but if you can get them into in-person schooling, good. <laughs> right, and until that time, uh, some of your suggestions in on rethinking how we educate in the home um, is really important, and it's not it's not a fast quick or a, a, a quick uh, quick fix. fix quick fix yeah yeah um, there, there's just uh, so many things and and uh, to consider and and uh, so God bless all of you I yeah, mean all exactly. of our, this this is something where it, and it's not just the United States of America it's all around the world uh, they're struggling with what do we do with our kids and um, we've never been in a time like this in our living memory and um, but thankfully, we've got the technology we've never had before to figure it out. It's just now, how do we use technology as a gift and not become enslaved to it? So a right. lot of good stuff, Michael. I appreciate it so oh, much. I know our listeners do too. And, and uh, we thank you all for listening. And we look forward to being with you next time. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, everyone. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. 
a great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.